This is a Rooster Teeth production. April 16, 1947, a cargo ship filled with fertilizer prepares to leave the Texas coast en route to Europe to help with the rebuilding effort after World War II. But before the ship leaves port, a small fire is spotted on board. What followed would be the deadliest industrial accident in American history. I'm Charlotte. I'm Patrick. I'm Brian. Ahoy and welcome aboard Ship Hits the Fan, a podcast about some of history's most notable uh-ohs and whoopsies on the high seas. If the smoke is gray, watching's okay. Purple and yellow, get down, fellow. And that's relevant to this episode in some way? Yeah, very much what so. you just said? It is. Okay, yeah, it is. It's, okay. It's, okay. It's I was just checking. I didn't know if it was the usual just crap that you well, like to spew. <laughs> even if it is crap, it's always pertinent. Okay. No one will remember this by the time we get to the relevant part, but it is it is relevant. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. yeah. What they remember is hitting the 15-second forward button. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and angrily firing off a one-star review. Yes. <laughs> All right. Brian, what's going on? I, are we ready? I, well, ready? I guess I would also say thank you for listening to the show. Follow us on social, Ship Hits Pod. We're putting out TikToks. Yes. Uh, yeah, if you're 14, check those it, out. Okay. Uh, if you're again, an adult, again, check us out on the other sites. Again, you got to stop like <laughs> pushing people away. I don't know. I'm trying to get a new audience. What new audience? Kids who are on TikTok. No, you're going to attract cynical adults who like to dunk on fads. Well, they have money. Yeah. Oh, we uh, need to be putting this out on Victrola Records. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's our audience. Exactly. Yeah, ham radio broadcasts. That's not a bad idea. That's not a bad we idea. That would be... Tight. We, we do very well we with could, the ham. We could audience. actually try that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, Brian, what do we got? As World War II ended, Europe was in shambles from the planet's most devastating conflict. The relatively unscathed United States was helping to rebuild the continent. The continent being Europe. Right. Yeah. yeah it's like, We're well, helping. I, I guess we did pretty okay. Yeah. We did all right. Big brother took a few lumps. We're going to we're going to help him get back on his feet. And as part of that effort, lots of ships in the latter part of the 1940s carrying supplies from here from the good old US of A overseas to Europe. And and for once they were grateful for us. Yes. They were they were not sneering at us like they usually do. Yeah, take, taking much needed like supplies rather than, you know, armaments to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> well, they needed they might have needed those. They might have needed those too, yeah. Well, we're talking about one of these ships in particular, the SS Grand Camp, or okay. it was a French ship, so maybe the Grand Camp. Grand Camp. Grand Camp. How yeah. they say. The 437-foot-long cargo ship was originally named the SS Benjamin Curtis. That's a name. Oh, yeah. That's a real name. Yeah. In 1942, it was in the Pacific Theater. During the war, of course, it was mothballed after, but following World War II, we gave it to a French shipping company to help in the rebuilding. Of oh, the that's country. sweet. Well, they, they helped surrendered us immediately. They helped us in, during the revolution. So we scratched their back and tossed them a ship here. Yeah. Every now and then. Yeah. A tradition that continues maybe until today. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Did we have the Statue of Liberty? Right. Yeah, we did. Uh, during World War II? Oh, yeah. <laughs> By 1947. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we had it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we did. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, was yeah. it bigger? Was it has it been eroded by the wind? I mean, surely a little bit, yeah. Yeah. 
it was still green. Yeah, it was green at that point. Yes, yes. Yeah, man, she's, I'm not ashamed to say it. She's a looker. Oh, yeah, big Big time. (laughs) Uh, She seems a little checked out to me, a little bit of a blank look. I feel like she might need some therapy, but yes, a very handsome woman. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the 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 grand comp was a, a big a big old girl, 437 foot long cargo ship, and on the day of the disaster, it was sitting at a dock in the Gulfport town of Texas City. And if you don't know your Texas geography, like I don't I do. Yeah. We're talking between Houston and Galveston. So oh, just, just right, right in between, right yeah. on the. I'm gonna have to trust you on that one. I, I don't know why Houston gets all the glory and not Texas City, but but that's a pod for another day. Yeah, yeah. But yes, you're you're it's it's sort of a Houston suburb. Sorry, Texas City residents, if I got that wrong, but that's what it feels like to me. But it, a big part of the port of Houston, which is a huge port, and after Galveston had its heyday, the port of Houston was one of the main ports in the country. So the Grand Comp was carrying. 2,300 tons of ammonium nitrate fertilizer. (laughs) Nothing has ever gone wrong with ammonium nitrate ever. Oh, God. Can't we put it on two boats? There's a reason you can't, like, (laughs) travel with fertilizer, you know? Yeah. Stinky. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the stink. It's Uh, that people make bombs out of it. Oh. Yeah. And yes, and we'll mention an, another uh, specific uh, ammonium nitrate bomb later on. Okay, yeah. good. But oh, this, yeah. this was going to be taken to farmers in Europe. Uh, they were also carrying just kind of odds and ends, some twine, peanuts, tobacco, of course, small arms ammunition, because this is Texas. So yep. You probably just get that as a bonus. Yep. Yeah. Uh, engineering in. equipment and cotton. Hey, I don't know if you need this, but we, we did toss some bump stocks in with the uh, with that's, your fertilizer, so. that's like when I went to uh, a pizza restaurant in the Vegas airport, and I just got a cider, and they're like, "You uh, want a shot with that?" <laughs> no, yeah. you sure it's free? Yeah, it's similar. <laughs> like, I'm actually okay. We just we threw in a couple of AR-15s just in case the Germans tried anything again. We yeah, wanted yeah. them to be ready. The gun yeah. from Predator Two. <laughs> we can't bring up Predator again. I just did. Because we're going to start doing the voice. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a shame if you did that thing? That was really funny. <laughs> Move on. We threw in a couple of weapons we got from Nightfall Raids and Destiny 2. You mm-hmm. know, just okay. Case. Yeah. Just All case. right. All right. Now, we should note, let's talk ammonium nitrate mm-hmm. real quick. Very common cargo at the time. It obviously used as fertilizer. This particular batch was made in the heartland, Nebraska and Iowa. And they shipped it to Texas City before it was loaded onto the Grand Comp. And interesting fact here, they shipped it and loaded it in Texas City because the Port of Houston apparently didn't allow ammonium nitrate to be loaded into ships there. Oh, really? Whoa. There were some regulations. Big, big government in the in big liberal Houston got <laughs> Right. I, I assume those have been undone by now. Absolutely. Houston, (laughs) interestingly, no zoning as a a city. You can build whatever you want, wherever you want. Oh, that's kind of. I like that, I think. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure it could Um, be misused to incredible. uh, (laughs) There's a. Yeah, ammonium nitrate is one of those weird things where it it can be used to devastating effect, but it's also just a very normal, common product that is used every day by a lot of people for, again, just fertilizing. It's like Sudafed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like it's a great it's a great fix if you got a cold you or you can, can also make with meth it. with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so yeah, a, a, along uh, what Patrick was saying, the ammonium nitrate was mixed with clay, petroleum, rosin, paraffin wax, and they, they I think they make little like pellets out of it, but it, it, it got packaged in paper sacks, loaded onto the ship, and it is considered, or at least it was at the time, a relatively safe cargo, but uh, as to your point, it can quickly become unstable and explosive under certain conditions. That is why it is also used as an industrial and military explosive. No. <laughs> hey, this thing makes your crops go really well. And <laughs> as an, a side, an added bonus, you can also turn it into a bomb. The only product that helps you grow and defend your farm. <laughs> <laughs> You can grow your crops and send them home to be with their ancestors. Strong crops and stronger borders. <laughs> and yeah, at this time, we're talking 1947, bags of ammonium nitrate fertilizer did not display any sort of highly flammable labels because uh, we were free back then. Yep. And that's what <laughs> we got better we were, time. We were free to have giant floating bombs in our ports. Yeah. So, okay. And another fact which will become important later just about 600 feet away from the grand comp was the ss high flyer great name yeah it's cool. a, that's a sled another, <laughs> yeah um a young boy in indiana just wanted one for christmas <laughs> uh but yeah it had another 870 tons of ammonium nitrate there also intended for farmers in europe so put put a little peg in that one yeah yeah jesus we'll, we'll circle back why later. are they growing okay. over there well, i guess everything green was decimated yeah, every, the whole <laughs> continent was, i yeah. mean france was anything annihilated it's just made of mud there's still huge areas of france that are like blighted from world war ii mm. is that true yeah, I I, huh. I guess it it could also be World War One, but I think it's World War Two. There's I like mean, a yeah. giant swath of France that you can't really like go to because really? of yeah. I think it's like mostly unexploded ordnance, but it also might be chemicals. Oh. That's why I think it, maybe it is World War One. They had to regrow cathedrals and coffee shops. <laughs> yes, exactly, and the Louvre. Yes. So that brings us to the day of the disaster. We're talking about 8 a.m. on the morning of April 16th. And that is when onlookers notice smoke coming from the cargo hold of the Grand Comp, which was still moored at the docks. It had not left yet. Uh, yeah. And so we see smoke, bad I mean, bad it was sign. owned by the French, so you're going to see smoke coming out of the cargo hold. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah, it was just saying catty things to other ships <laughs> while the smoke was coming out. And yeah, longshoremen tried to put out the fire with a jug of water and two fire extinguishers. That didn't work. The cargo hold started to fill with smoke. And then uh, the captain stepped in and made a bunch of terrible judgment calls. <laughs> the <laughs> longshoremen were ordered to leave and the captain ordered that don't use any more water. He didn't want to ruin the cargo. Okay, good. Looking out for your, your bottom line. Yep. Woo. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, let me correct myself. It was It's from the First World War. It's called the Zone Rouge. And the red zone. yeah, it's basically you mostly can't go there. I think uh, apparently there are still some areas where almost everything just dies immediately. Wow. Yeah. Oh, from like, oh, that's like Western Front area. It's from arsenic. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. It's also, also unexploded ordnance. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's nuts. So that's my bad. Scary World stuff. War One. That's scary stuff. Uh, the captain ordered all the Grand Comps hatches sealed, and he, he said, let's fill this hold with steam so we can smother the fire. Mm -hmm. hmm. Seems, the seems steam not great. Do that? 
Steam? Yeah, does steam smother fires? Well, it's water. Yeah, but it's also just air. Like, (laughs) all right. Well, I'm sure this will work out. Yeah, what happens? It works out. It works out fine. So, (laughs) well, little uh, little chemistry lesson for y'all: ammonium nitrate is an oxidizer, Mm -hmm. meaning that it neutralizes the extinguishing properties of the steam. So. Uh, needless to say, that was a very bad call. Even worse, the steam may have converted the ammonium nitrate to nitrous oxide, which oh, is okay. very, very, very flammable. Yeah, and mm. you can you can kind of see where this is going. Sadly, mm. so about thirty minutes after the fire was spotted, the pressure inside the ship became so great its hatches blew off, Ooh, and a okay. big column of yellow and orange smoke started billowing out of the ship uh-huh. and that color apparently indicates uh, a nitrous oxide fire. Oh, unfortunately it, it is exceptionally from the pretty. Intro. Yeah, yeah. From the intro. <laughs> it also, I think signifies that a new Pope has been selected. <laughs> a Simpsons, a new Pope. sea Pope. <laughs> no, this is Texas. So that means a new cast member of Dallas has been. Chosen. Oh, well, mm-hmm. equally important. Oh, that's way too old. Equally important. No, no, we they know what, it. We they know what it. Dallas is. Brian, There's a new Dallas a new Cowboys owner has been. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. I pulled that one out. We know um, what Dallas and- is. Okay. Here's yeah, it's uh it's the city everyone knows Texas. Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's our most obnoxious one, which is really saying something. <laughs> uh but yeah, here's where it gets uh sad. Spectators begin to gather along the shoreline thinking, "Hey, we're 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 at a safe distance here. Nothing's yeah. going to happen." And it was yeah, it's the pretty smoke. Uh an account at the time called it a pretty gold yellow color that attracted many onlookers. The radio station in Galveston, KGBC. Your source for classic rock the and nitrous. The and the rat. <laughs> Gang, we got a nitrous oxide fire going off in the port. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's 8 a.m. in the morning, and we've got a flaming ship out in Texas City. But first up, some Iron Maiden. All right. Okay. I'm we, sure we had our even fun. back in 1947 that was a classic rock station. 100%. Yeah, definitely. Future rock. So, so KGBC, home of more rock less talk, warned citizens to stay clear of the fire, but that only that only got everybody's curiosity up who yep. headed more of them headed for the docks to witness the salmon orange and purple colored smoke. Lot of really multicolored yeah. smoke. Hey, there's some out. kind of smoke going off down there. Yeah. Purple. Hey, pull the kids out of school. Come on. <laughs> There's a fire going on. That still happens. I used to be a cops reporter. And if anything, like I covered a giant building that just went up in flames and everybody can. And it was pretty awesome looking. So. Yeah. That's the thing is we like I to. Get it. Yeah. I understand that someone tells you not to do something. You want to do it. We flocked to disaster. That's yeah. We like to be where things are happening. That's yeah, why yeah. so many millions of people live in Los Angeles where the big one will hit. Yeah. Yeah. We just want to be there. And and as we've said before, stuff was way more boring back then. This there's no video games back then, no internet. Yeah, so the war was over. Yeah, the nation is grappling with PTSD on a scale they haven't known before. <laughs> right. Yeah. Your your dad's just sitting there quietly in the den. <laughs> let's go. Let's all mom's like, hey kids, let's go, let's go take a walk. It's a fierce yeah. quiet alcoholism. Know, 
Yeah, we should note fires at the docks and nearby refineries, not uncommon back then. And nobody at the time, they were like, ah, this, this will be fine. It wasn't considered like a serious safety concern. Yeah, I mean, people yeah. did it at Chernobyl. Yeah. Oh, dang. And yeah. they should have known. They, they should have. Families and their young children came, students from a nearby school. According to an account at the time, the crowd stood two and three deep with sandwiches and soft drinks in their hands. The number of onlookers grew to about 300. I love so. that these people always mm. show up with snacks. Always sandwiches, too. And it's always like someone with a cart also shows up to sell things. It's like you mo they mobilize so fast. Yeah, and it's, it's not, awesome. It's not apples. It is a sandwich constructed of multiple ingredients. <laughs> it's cool. This is that's awesome. I love sandwiches and also like uh, you're going to find out that these people I don't think they had to suffer for very long. I think uh, they were no. gone no, in an instant, was, snuffed out like a candle. Real, yeah, real so, yeah. so they, you know, had a snack, had a soda, and then they were gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Firefighters also responded, including the Texas City Volunteer Fire Department and a team from the Republic Oil Refining Company. So yeah, the the gang is all here. They're they're having their their drinks, their their sandwiches, mm -hmm. and probably their last thought was, "I wonder what's for dinner." Yeah. And yeah. Then yeah, and obviously the inevitable happens at 9:12 a.m. The pressure and the heat became too much, and the ammonium nitrate inside the Grand Comp exploded. And it's it's hard. It's this is kind of like with Halifax. It's mm -hmm. it, we'll, we'll try to give an a, a, encompass what happened, give an appropriate description, but it was basically like a giant, giant bomb yeah. detonating just massive yeah if you want to get the whole story on the halifax we covered it in our season two premiere so that would be episode 12 i something believe like that, yeah, yeah something like that a game of maritime chicken blows the hell out of halifax really really fascinating story another horrifying tragedy uh the likes of which i don't think many people have seen since uh but definitely not unlike what we're hearing here so go check that out um a huge Fireball ballooned hundreds of feet into the air. The explosion caused a 15-foot wave, because remember, we're at the docks, to yep. crash onto the docks and flood the surrounding areas. There was Holy. a shock wave that leveled nearly a 1,000 buildings. Whoa! Uh, Yikes! Yeah. Uh, one belonging to the Monsanto Chemical Company. You'll remember <laughs> them, maybe. They did great work. They, they, they hadn't even done their best yet. No. They sponsor yeah, the show. They, that's right. We're doing very well. <laughs> it was reduced to uh, just chunks of rubble, basically. Yeah. Brick, concrete, twisted steel. One account said the building was subject to an impact equal to 255-ton bombs exploding simultaneously. Whoa! That's unfortunately very cool. Just inside that building, 145 workers inside were killed. This will also Whoa. give you an idea of the force of the explosion the ship's anchor, which was two tons, was launched into the air. It came to rest nearly two miles away. Oh, uh, so yeah, Jesus. It, it blew, uh, of the, the ground comp itself, it blew more than 5,000 tons of the ship's steel into the air. Some traveled at supersonic speeds. You gotta imagine some of it's still out there, right? In the stratosphere? Well, I mean, just parts of Texas. Orbit. Yeah, probably. I'm sure there's still some debris out there. Un undiscovered. 
There once was a guy who only wore MeUndies underwear because it felt like he was wearing nothing at all. Then one spooky night, he saw a shadowy figure appear in his home. He screamed, what do you want from me? The figure stepped out of the shadows and it was his roommate, Jeff. And Jeff said, hey man, you really need to wear underwear in the shared living spaces. Uh, moral of the story, when you wear undies that are so comfortable and it feels like you have nothing on, double check that you actually have something on. And you can get your own super comfy undies with 20% off and free shipping on your first MeUndies purchase. As per usual, when I record an ad for MeUndies, I am wearing MeUndies because it really is so comfortable and so soft. The bralettes especially, perfect comfort wearing if you need a little support. And if you're excited for this upcoming spooky season, well, you're in luck because the latest Halloween collection by MeUndies is scary soft. See what we did there? MeUndies is back with new limited edition prints like Jack Attack, No Body Like You, and Spell It Out. Grab undies, socks, bralettes, and more made from their feels like you have nothing on micromodal fabric. And if you need a last minute costume, be lazy and transform into a spooky skeleton with their loungewear set, Lazy Bones. Match with your boo or fur baby in sizes from extra small to 4XL to make it your softest Halloween ever. The scary soft hype is real, everyone. If you're not impressed with MeUndies, your first pair is on us. And that is a promise. That's the ship hits the fan promise. To get 20% off your first order and free standard free shipping on U.S. orders, go to MeUndies.com slash ship hits fan. That's MeUndies.com slash ship hits fan. Hey everybody, it's Patrick, here to tell you about 30 Morbid Minutes, a podcast that explores morbid, macabre, and downright grisly topics pulled from history and the headlines of today. It's hosted by Elise Willems and Jessica Basami. Look, you know them, you love them. It's one of my favorite podcasts right now. Elise and Jess bring a lighter approach to some of life's darkest subject matter, including the Victorian obsession with death and superstition, obituary bandits and grave robbing, cloning, the last meals of death row inmates, being buried alive, death on cruise ships. Hey, you know what? I'm in that one. So check that one out. And the hidden killers of the Victorian era, plus much, much more. Listen and subscribe to 30 Morbid Minutes right now, wherever you get your podcasts. And then there was kind of subsequent uh, explosions, flying shrapnel, ignited refineries, and chemical tanks along the waterfront. Because remember, this is Houston. This is where oil starts, right, right, is refined yeah. and shipped to the rest of the country. So it's just a big pool of gasoline. Out yeah, there it's ready to go and, up. And crude oil. Two nearby airplanes were blown out of the sky. A barge anchored in the port was blown out of the water and landed 110 feet away. What the barge? Not a small ship. A barge. barge. God damn it. And uh, to give you uh, another kind of reference point, if you remember the Oklahoma City bombing in 1995, that was a, a truck carrying a little over three tons of ammonium nitrate. The Gronkop was carrying... 2,300 tons. Oh, uh, yes. This, this is the figure in the script where I was like, oh, oh. Yeah, I wanted to give you a reference point. Th- yeah, and and also the fact that, like, you know, like, low explosives have to be encased t- for the pressure to really create an explosion, and the fact that this went off inside a sealed ship, I'm sure, just made it that much more. Yeah. <laughs> de- uh, more of a detonation. Yeah, it was... Uh, 
just unimaginable, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Hal Boyle, a war correspondent, said that the disaster, quote, looked like Nagasaki after the atomic bomb struck. And that's that sounds like a pretty accurate uh, comparison. In Galveston, Galveston's about 10 miles away, half of the windows in the city shattered. Windows broke as far away as Houston and vibrations from the blast registered on a seismograph in Denver, Colorado, which uh, is nowhere nearby. No, no, that's that's pretty far away. It's it's exceptionally far away. Yeah, Colorado's not n- not not in the neighborhood. Um and and we're on the Gulf Coast here. So yeah, um several thousand people in Galveston, uh some thought that the communists had dropped an atomic bomb and honestly uh, kind of understandable. Yeah, during that time uh, period, that's totally possible. Yeah. That, that, that'd uh, be a, a target that would make sense, it yeah. seems like, too. How many other explanations would there be in the mind of, like, the common person? As it's just happening yeah. in front of you, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the other thought was that maybe this was an earthquake, and so they just fled from buildings only to run back in for shelter after flying debris and oil rained down on them. Okay. Uh, an unfortunately cartoonish uh, image <laughs> of people running yeah. out of buildings yes. that are that are swaying because of the blast uh, forces, and then you see them rush back in. Yeah. And uh, back at the epicenter, needless to say, Everyone standing near the ship was killed instantly. It's estimated that somewhere between 500 and 600 people were killed. It's it's probably much closer to 600. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire crew of the ship were killed. All but one member of the Texas City Volunteer Fire Department were killed in the explosion. We're talking 28 people, all but one were killed. Clifford C. Reed Sr. was the only one who survived out of the Republic Oil Refinery's firefighting team. How? I think something similar happened with Halifax, too. I think, like, one member of a firefighting team survived. Yeah. Although the crew did survive that. Well, they ran, right? They 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 ran. Yeah. Yeah. They got out. Oh, right, because they knew what was going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Reed gave an interview years later to the Houston History magazine, and he talked about the aftermath of the explosion. He said, I was the only one that survived out of the fire department. It just wasn't my day to die, I guess. Then I went up to the administration offices to try and help some people up there. All the windows were blown out and they were all cut up and people bleeding all over the place. Yeah. Uh, he, he also described just horrific scenes on the street. Uh, and this, this might get a little bit strong. Yeah, skip forward if you need to. Yeah, yeah. Reed said that he saw people walking across the streets with no clothes on. They were just blown off. Everything. Everything was just blown away. Big pieces of metal were falling down, as big as a truck or car. I was trying to help one guy on the street get to a first aid station. He was all messed up, all cut up. Uh, Jesus Uh, Christ. Yeah. Just like a bomb. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's the, 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 I mean, it's the the exact same thing, basically. Uh, There was a uh, elementary school nearby. One fifth grade teacher, Rosalie Curry, guided her students to safety as the roof caved in on her classroom. So a very heroic act. A first yeah. grader at the time, Lynn Ellison, remembers that his teacher pushed the children out of the window because the classroom walls were collapsing. On Damn. I, I cannot imagine. Shout out to Rosalie. Yeah, shout out to Rosalie, who I'm assuming when the students were like, can we leave and go watch? She was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're getting out this window right now. And teachers should be paid more. Anyway. <laughs> 
With fires raging throughout Texas City, responders from other areas, uh, they initially just couldn't get there because it was, I'm sure, and again, yeah. we're talking refineries everywhere, storage tanks, I'm sure it was just an inferno. Burning wreckage ignited everything within miles, including dozens of oil and chemical tanks. Galveston was covered with an oily fog that left deposits over every exposed surface outdoors. Yikes, what an awful tragedy. And that's it? <laughs> no, oh. no, it is. Uh, no, there there was still more. So uh, the fire from the blast obviously continued to burn uh, into the next day. And then in the middle of the night at 1 a.m. on April 17th, ammonium nitrate on the SS High Flyer exploded. So it was carrying uh, roughly about half, a little less than half the amount, but still I a mean, lot, yeah. a lot of ammonium nitrate. The first explosion had blown the high flyer free from its moorings. It drifted across the harbor. It came to rest against another ship and then they towed it and then it exploded. That killed two more people. And according to some witnesses, that explosion was more powerful than the first one. So, I think those people just, maybe didn't uh, get to see the first one and were a little salty and were like, no, no, this one was way bigger, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's actually like, I mean, I, I, not it was many just people saw good. the second one, but it's just as good. Yeah. It's actually, a lot of people think honestly, it's better. Honestly, yeah. I prefer Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. Yeah. Just, that's just me. He's a better singer. <laughs> um, but casualties were light since obviously the docks had been either evacuated or people had just been yeah. to bits. But yeah, the second explosion obviously caused a lot more damage to ships, to buildings, everything around. And then you get into the aftermath and to call it a grisly scene is, is not to do it justice. The area high school gym was converted into a temporary morgue. An auto mechanics garage was used as an embalming room. Whoa. And uh, uh, we're going to get to some more accounts of people who were there. So again, a little content warning mm -hmm. coming yeah. up. Earmuffs if you need. One Boy Scout who was the 14-year-old Nunzio Marabella spent part of the day trying to deliver telegrams and he was later sent to the gymnasium. I, I don't know why you would enlist the Boy Scouts to help, but I guess it was maybe just all hands. They were deck. around, yeah. Yeah, they had uniforms. So right, I they they were the most official work. looking. <laughs> yeah, the uniforms are what did it. And fourteen, I guess back then that was like eighteen. Yeah, least. yeah, yeah. Um, especially if you're a libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <God>. um, <laughs> he later described the makeshift morgue, saying there were dead bodies lying all over the gymnasium floor. I was assigned to a room where they placed body parts that couldn't be identified. You didn't see any complete bodies. The smell was awful. My job was just to sweep, and what I was sweeping up was ash, charred flesh that fell off as they were carrying these body parts in. Oof. Um, Ugh. Yikes. Yeah, that's tough. I can't. That's that's going to stick with you. Well, a, Nunzio, thank you for your lad. service, yeah, I guess. You, Nunzio. Hey, Nunzio, uh, we, stop delivering telegrams. I have a different job for you. A much yeah, worse Yeah, I have job. a much worse thing for you to do. We're gonna put you on flesh sweeping duty. How, how's that sound? Don't like? worry. Hey, I know you're. I know you were too young to experience the horrors of war in Europe, but how about right here in beautiful Texas City? Yeah, we'll give you your tenderfoot badge. That's an Eagle Scout service project, 
right there. He I feel like they live. all should have been made right there. Yeah, um, made men. And then of the of the dead, more than a hundred couldn't be identified, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the records of the Monsanto company were destroyed, and a lot of the dock workers were itinerants, and thus obviously hard to identify. So, yeah. yeah, some of to this day they just don't know who they were. Yeah. In addition to the death toll, the injuries, the property destruction, just it, just incomprehensible. More than 5,000 people were injured. One out of every three homes in Texas City was basically damaged so badly they were unlivable. Wow. So just, yeah. Ugh. Red Cross and other volunteers from surrounding cities, they responded with assistance until about 4,000 relief workers were uh, operating temporary hospitals, morgues, and shelters. Uh, it's always it's always a little bit heartening when you see like the 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 relief that gets kind of mobilized. Yeah, yeah I mean that was like our very first things. episode. Like we clowned on the people throwing crates into the water, but it is like mm-hmm. th- well, it's cool seeing everybody get to get like in a heart, just in like a the snap of your fingers. Yeah, it's like yeah, these people yeah. who have no connection to each other. They have no even training really, but they all just jump together to help. And to be fair to the people of the early 20th century Chicago, there were others that did more helpful things like ferry oh, people yeah. to safety of and course. hand out Make soup. soup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of soup and coffee. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like we see time and time again, like the natural inclination of people in in a, a time of distress like this is to actually help their if you're fellow there, man. Sure. Yeah, if you're if there, you're there yeah, yeah, you're yeah. If, if yeah. you're sitting, you know, armchair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Yeah, just sitting on Facebook being like, well, they shouldn't have been in the area. <laughs> um, Lucille Burkhart, who I, I believe was a resident, described the continuous funeral processions in the days following the disaster. She wrote to her parents, as sad as the funerals are, there are still sadder situations. One poor woman searching for her husband looked through a whole bucket of hands trying to find even that much of him. Oh, my Ugh. God. Oh, no. They had buckets of hands? Jesus. What are you even God. looking for? Just like the ring, I guess? Fingerprints. Yeah, I don't. Ugh. Oh, that's brutal. I, oh, God. I, I can't imagine all the funerals. Several months later, there was a memorial service for those killed in the blast. And several months after that, another was held for those who were unidentified. And they actually <sighs> built... A, uh, a special memorial cemetery just for the unidentified. Yeah, day, yeah. Uh, which I thought was kind of cool. The local newspaper, the Texas City Sun, ran an editorial describing all who were affected by the event as having been, quote, bound together by a great and common tragedy for which there is no ready word of solace. And then on May 1st, 1947, that wasn't that long. Yeah, I mean, that was less than a month. Yeah. That they they got it reopened. The the docks reopened. I mean, I'm sure they were still rebuilding a ton yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Damaged schools reopened about three weeks later. Many school children remained traumatized. It sounds like all their lives by the experience. I mean, yeah. Survivor Tommy Giles told Houston History Magazine that he remembers the sound of a siren or a warning whistle from a refinery would startle the elementary school students and bring some to tears. Yep, that's PTSD. Yep, part of a proud tradition of traumatizing school children in this country. (laughs) No. Um, Now, you might be wondering what started the fire. Well, it has never been determined. 
Um, obviously, it's pretty impossible to reconstruct anything. Some people think it might have been a cigarette that was discarded the night before, and then the cargo just smoldered overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, again, it's just it, it, I, probably something we will never know. The explosion attracted a ton of attention nationwide. Multiple funds were set up to assist the wounded and obviously with rebuilding. And interestingly, this ties back into an earlier episode of ours. One of the biggest fundraising efforts came from Sam Maceo, who you might remember, along with his brother, ran all of organized crime in Galveston. Oh, yeah. Ah. Check out our bonus so episode w- about Galveston. Yeah. yeah just a few couple, episodes A couple ago. weeks back. Yeah. Yeah. And this was back when it was known as the free state of Galveston, where yes. basically yes. the mob ran the entire island and they just kind of did what they wanted for yeah. a few decades. Uh, He organized a benefit concert in Galveston that featured entertainers like Frank Sinatra, Phil Harrison, and Sheridan. There we go. Uh, In the end, yeah, they raised more than $1 million. That would be almost 13 million bucks by today's terms. Nice. Hey, not bad. Yeah, a lot lot of relief uh, going on. Payouts from insurance claims reached nearly $4 million. Uh, There was some temporary housing built and donated to the city. Other housing docks, warehouses, and chemical plants were rebuilt by 1950. Okay. And the yeah, the companies that lost facilities in the explosion, they mostly rebuilt and in some cases expanded their operations. I mean, it's still, you know, the biggest big port, port on the, yeah. the Gulf. Yeah, there wasn't really another option. I mean, I guess there was New Orleans, but uh, they, they rebuilt and the cost of industrial reconstruction were estimated at about $100 million dollars. In today's money, that's $1.2 billion. Oof. Wow. Yeah. Still going to need oil. Yeah, that's not going anywhere. No. So obviously a lot of fallout from this. There were changes in chemical manufacturing and there were new regulations for the bagging, handling, and shipping of chemicals. Uh, yeah, it seems like it was a little loose before that. And it, it, sadly, I think it takes something like this to... Yeah, I think generally as a as just a, a, a human being we need an enormous disaster to let us know like oh this should maybe we should re-examine this <laughs> yeah and oftentimes to little or no change yeah yeah uh there were more than three thousand lawsuits brought against the u.s government because the chemicals had originated in u.s ordnance plants uh those went on for sounds like almost a decade they were resolved by 1956 when a special act passed by Congress, settled all claims for a total of $16.5 million. Uh, But still uh, other litigation went on for years and years. Finally, it seems like they were all settled in 1962. Apparently some people were trying to sue France over this (laughs) because that's where the Grand Comp was owned. Yeah, yeah. That's that's who owned the ship. Uh, But in 1962, the U.S. Supreme Court refused to review an appeals court ruling that the Republic of France, which again owned the ship, could not be held liable for any claims resulting from the explosion. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, no no suing France, apparently. Sorry. We are not even there. (laughs) That uh, we do not know where Texas is even. Public commemoration of the event began in June of that year, 1947, when the bodies of the unidentified dead were buried together in a memorial cemetery that, like I said, was was built for them. Yeah. And there's a whole park now in addition to the cemetery. It's called the Texas City Memorial Park. They hold an annual service to remember those who died in the blasts. And the entrance to the park 
displays the anchor of the Grand Comp. Wow. And the names of those who perished in the disaster can be found on the bricks along the side wall of the entrance. Wow. That is... So, yeah, that is Texas City. Pretty, pretty awful. God, that is something else. It's always amazing that we've just never heard of this. Yeah, there's <laughs> With, so, like, there's all of these so things, much that like, gets glazed over. It's crazy, yeah. Well, thank you for uh, regaling us, Brian. Yeah, it was. I, I had I had heard of it, but I didn't know. You know, until you kind of dig into it and read about it, you don't you don't get a full scope of you know no, just how not. awful it was. And I do think there is, like you said, the inclination to just I don't know, kind of move on. All right, let's rebuild, and let, especially in the forties, I'm sure that's like ah, oh, let's just dust ourselves off. And yeah, yeah, that was a good time for industry here. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yikes! Oh man. Well, we have a, a much, much lighter honorable mention. Oh, good. Maybe too much so. Okay. <laughs> Maybe like resurfacing too quickly from a dive light. <laughs> um, but if I could get a uh, foghorn. <laughs> yeah. Guys, let's talk about a much lighter note in American history, a recent entrance into our national lore. Okay. Nebraska man Dwayne Hansen broke the world record for the longest journey by pumpkin. Really? Yes. This is a Guinness world record, a pre-existing record. Okay. Uh, previously set by another person from Nebraska. <laughs> I, assume, I would assume. I, I don't remember where exactly <laughs> it was set, but they they traveled 25 miles in their uh, gourd. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hansen uh, decided uh, that he was going to take this record by storm. His hobby is growing uh, pumpkin squash and gourds of extremely unusual size. I love those guys. Yeah. At the state fair every year, you get to see the just enormous pumpkin. I love it. Well, this guy, seem, seemingly the state fair, not enough for him. Mm-hmm. He grew an 846-pound pumpkin himself <laughs> <laughs> and then hollowed the damn thing out, got in it, and paddled 38 miles Whoa. down the Mississippi River in one day. That's awesome. Yep. So uh, the SS Berta. Did he have little holes for the oars or something? Uh, I no, I think it was uh, more like a canoe that he canoe that oh. he uh, went over the side of it with an oar. Um, although, like a rowboat scenario would have been really funny. He did put a cup holder in it. He did. Of he did uh, hollow out a cup holder <laughs> in the SS Berta. Um, went from Bellevue. Uh, yeah. According to their Facebook page, down to Nebraska City, 38 miles. He was trailed by a safety boat. Uh, apparently, people cheered from the riverbanks as he shattered this world record, just destroyed it. Yeah. Um, the And I, I feel the need to say that the Berta was equipped with a non-existent complement of lifeboats. Oh, no. Yeah. So... Fortunately, though, he made it to his destination. We will not be covering the story in further detail on a future episode of Ship Hits the Fan. Because <laughs> he made it. But um, much love to Hanson, to Dwayne. Uh, huge the respect. Rock, the SS Berta. The SS Berta, which I hope, um, I hope that the guts were used to make an enormous pie. You know, cats like pumpkin, and it's, it's good for them. Really? Mm-hmm. It's so nice huh. when people like things that are good for them. And yeah. when cats are people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all. There's honestly not that much to it. There's a he, great photo of this yeah. pumpkin on like a boat trailer. <laughs> At first, when you said he hollowed it out, I, I got a little nervous. But we. we oh no no no! Not like that! Not like that! 
No, good job, no. Dwayne. Yeah, good job, Dwayne. Uh, look up, look up pictures of this guy. He uh, a lot of pe- a lot of you all tagged us in this, which thank you. I I love it. Um, oh and wow! See him see afloat it. in the river is really funny, uh, and he did it. This is a he story of of human triumph yep. and ingenuity and uh, petty competitiveness. Yeah, just destroying the other person. It's it's big, but but not but as a as a canoe, not very big. I thought I it mean, would be bigger. Big pumpkin honestly, size. It's, me too. Yeah, me yeah. too. It's a like a down. large barrel. Yeah, 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 like a huge wine <laughs> cask. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. yeah, yes, yeah, uh, not small by any stretch. No, no. not saying that at all. No, I'm giving it respect. For respect. For I was, but I was picturing a James and <laughs> Giant Peach situation, <laughs> yeah. and that's not what I got. Which I think would have been harder for one man to uh, maneuver. Well, that's what you would hope. The bugs are in there with you to help, but. <laughs> kind of, kind of comically small. Yeah, 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 but good enough. Good enough for Dwayne is good enough for me. That's the, yeah. That's the show. That's the show. Okay. Right, thanks so everybody. Please, please follow us at Ship Hits Ship Pod. Hits Pod. Uh, I will right now, this instant, go mm-hmm. and tweet a picture of the uh, the pumpkin or Great. schedule it. So I will make sure because I know we always promise that we're going to put things on Instagram and Twitter, and mm-hmm. we do not. But I will. I will leave from this studio, go to my desk. And schedule it out. I will hold you to that. You better. I'm going to follow us on TikTok. Oh, we've got some TikToks. We got up. some TikToks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have hey, another one. Hey, one of them did 4,000. Dang. Nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. All right. May your bones bleach in these scenes. Please. Thanks for listening. Please. Bye. 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 Bye.